stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about why do we need expert witnesses anyway? Uh, with all of the, there seems to be more and more cases in the news, um, and so, and people are just fascinated by them, and um, that sort of begs the question from the Zimmerman trial to the Jody Arias trial to the Michael Jackson trial that's going on now, it's sort of a never-ending trial. Um, the NFL um, traumatic brain injury cases are going to be starting a trial at some point. But there have been uh, countless trials where we have been exposed to some courtroom testimony of expert witnesses. And uh, so I'm sure that a lot of people are wondering, why do we need expert witnesses anyway? What makes an expert witness? Um, are they just hired guns? parroting what the lawyer wants them to say, um, how seriously do juries consider what the expert witnesses have to say, and so on. One of my, one of my first trials when I was starting out as an expert witness, uh, one of my first um, high-profile trials in any case, was uh, the Jonathan Schmitz trial, the Jenny Jones murder trial. And uh, that case was followed gavel to gavel by court TV. It was in the late 90s. And um, needless to say, you know, being relatively new, certainly new to a high-profile trial, um, it, was, uh, it was quite a daunting challenge since I was on the stand for a whole day. And, uh, you know, it's, it, of, course you, of course you have to think about not just what you usually think about in, in trials as an expert witness, but you're also thinking about, um, <laughs> like, my stomach gurgling and is Court TV picking that up? Um, it was getting. I was, it was when it was getting towards the lunch hour. I was getting hungry, um, and and those kinds of things. You know what? You're realizing that what you're saying is not only well in that case having an impact on someone's life, um, but well, it always has an impact on someone's life. But I mean, life or death, and and uh, or at least life in prison forever, or some shorter sentence. And of course, I'm proud of the fact that. Um, my expert witness testimony got uh, Jonathan Schmidt's second degree and murder instead of first degree. So it cut some years off his sentence. It could have been life. Um, so all these things, I mean, all these issues, uh, there are so many things that go on behind the scenes that, um, that 
people don't realize, that the jurors don't realize. Um, and this is something that's important to understand, not just so that you can understand uh, the television shows that you're watching better, but with the increasing number of people filing lawsuits, um, you may well file one yourself someday, or you may have one filed against you, or someone you know, someone you love. Uh, it's really important to find out what the real scoop is behind hiring the best expert witness, knowing how to, how to judge that, um, and knowing what their job is, you know, and, and uh, how diligent are they going to spend doing their job, how much responsibility are, do they feel towards it, or is it just uh, I like the in-and-out burger, you know, where you're in, on an assembly line and, and they give your case short shrift. Well, here's um, my guest today is someone who is perfect to discuss this, for he is the president of a company called a Medical Expert Network, and he is a well-respected expert witness himself. And so um, my guest, Dr. Stephen Grifka, is going to take you behind the scenes and give you the real scoop on uh, what goes on. And I'll add my two cents, too. But, um, but um, Dr. Grifka, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, why don't we, you know, in talking about uh, what makes an expert witness, um, why don't we talk about, First, you personally, how Dr. Grifka, let me give you a little background on him. Um, he is, I love this, he is a real-life Doogie Hauser. He had finished college um, and was graduated Phi Beta Kappa honors in biochemistry and took a position as a biochemistry research associate on the UCLA School of Medicine by the age of 19. And then he went to medical school and then he specialized in otolaryngology head and neck surgery, and then also went into uh, cosmetic surgery. So, um, it, and, and then um, had this journey from practicing in these specialties um, to becoming an expert witness. So why don't you take us along that journey with you? Well, I, for many years, I was a practicing head and neck surgeon. Uh, doing facial plastic and cosmetic surgery as well as head and neck reconstructive work. Along with that came what everybody refers to as ear, nose, and throat work, so ENT. So I handled people with their balance problems or problems breathing through their nose. And I was very active in both the medical side of it and the surgical side of it. One day, driving back to my office, uh, I had two offices. Driving back to my second office, I... Um, ran into some traffic on the freeway, and I ended up stopping somewhat short to the car in front of me. Unfortunately, the three cars behind me did not stop, and they ended up in my trunk, essentially. Um, what then ensued was that I, I was hurt, um, and the injury that I sustained actually left me with numbness in one of my hands. Now, I had been... A practicing physician for many years at that point. Um, I had on occasion acted as an expert witness, but it was rare, maybe once every couple of years, two, three years. Well, coincident with all of this happening, an attorney that I knew that had used me on a case before called me up and asked if he could use me on another case. I explained to him what was happening, and he said, you know what, this is a blessing in disguise. 
Dr. Grifka, what I want you to do is I want you to start an organization of doctors run by doctors so that we attorneys can get honest medical opinions. And so that's what I ended up doing. I not only serve as an expert witness myself, but I also have put together this group. I call it AMEN. <laughs> that's its uh, shortened name. It stands for A Medical Expert Network. And when I get calls from attorneys, and I get calls from attorneys all over the place, they call. We have a short form that helps them determine what type of specialist they would need for their legal case. So they may call and say, I have somebody who was in a crosswalk and got hit. Um, they're having trouble walking. They, they don't know what to think anymore. They can't remember things. Um, their, their personality seems quite volatile. I need an expert. And so when I hear that, I have them fill out the form, and then I say, you may need a few experts. You might need a psychiatrist. You may need a neurologist. You may need an orthopedist. Um, so there's, I help to try and make a case go smoothly. The most important thing is that the jury can learn the important facts on a complex issue. Yes, you know, that's interesting that it was uh, a, an attorney who suggested that you do this, and it was kind of a, um, a fortuitous occurrence because you love doing what you do. Not that you didn't love doing the head and neck <laughs> surgery and so on, but I mean, this is just kind of a, um, a new chapter. It is, and, and as far as the, the field of medical legal work is in essence, sort of a chess game and a mystery all at the same time. And, and it's, it's kind of fun. You're, what we're really in search of is the truth, and we do want to know if something was caused by an accident or if it wasn't, if it happened before or later. All these things are important, and the juries and judges have to know that. So, okay, so let's now talk in general. What what makes someone an expert witness? Can anyone just uh, call themselves an expert and say, uh, you know, in whatever field, whether it's medicine or uh, plastics or, you know, um, some other field, I want to be an expert and, and they can be one? Well, it's not quite that easy. Uh, first of all, they have to have the proper training. Um, that would be the, the first step. Um, second step is that they have to have a relatively good command of language, and that is you not only have to know your field, because doctors can talk doctor speak very easily to each other, but if you go out and, and speak doctor speak to a person who's not a doctor, it's not so well understood. I can walk up to you and say, oh, you've got chronic obstructive apnea because your uvulopalatopharyngoplasty didn't work well, and that's not going to go over too well in court. It would work better if you said this person's having some sleep problems because they, that little uh, punching bag in the back of their throat is big and in the way. Um, so someone who does know their information and, their, and have quite a bit of knowledge in the field has to be able to convey that knowledge in a concise and easy-to-understand manner. And those are some things that help. You also have to be honest um, an expert should not, and I repeat, should not take sides. They're not taking sides. The attorneys are the advocates for the, the patient or client. The doctors and the experts 
are solely there to try and provide their opinion as to what is true, medically speaking. And that's what our job is. Yes. Um, <laughs> of course, of course, we, we know that <laughs> that doesn't always, not all expert witnesses um, are uh, searching after the truth, but uh, uh, rather, you know, what it is that um, they know the lawyer wants them to say. Why don't you talk about that? Well, that does happen. And like I said, it's our job to tell the truth, but some people aren't so good at their jobs. <laughs> um, and I have seen it in court where um, because an expert is hired by one side or the other, he starts trying to favor that side in, in what's being said. That's a big mistake because usually if the attorneys are good, they will trip the expert up. Uh, he will be found to be um, making contradictory statements. It becomes rather obvious that he is not acting as a neutral party who's just reporting facts, but rather, in fact, he or she is um, is swaying their their thoughts and opinions, and and that's awful. I mean, it, it really is terrible. It makes it harder on the jury, um, that's for sure, and it also makes it harder on on the doctor that's trying to be neutral because he's hearing things that aren't true, and and we don't just come out and say you're a liar, because we don't do that. That's not our job. Our job is just to tell the medical opinion. So we have to have the, the good attorneys have to work on ferreting that out for, uh, for the juries. <laughs> well, um, I must say, sometimes I do find it hard to contain um, <laughs> saying something like uh, the other expert, you know, well, in, in my situation, well, we, we're kind of running out of time. We have to take a break. But I'll just um, say in, as a psychiatric expert witness, what I most often come in, across is um, a, a psychiatric expert on the other side who hasn't really done enough work to get to the bottom of the case to know, to know what he's talking about and is just spouting off, you know, something to... To, because that's what his lawyer wants to say. So it, it does get frustrating when people really don't find out enough, do their homework, and find out all their needs to find, they need to find out about the case. My guest is Dr. Stephen Griska. He is the president of a medical network. We are talking about why do we need experts, witnesses anyway. And you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Hey, welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about why do we need expert witnesses anyway. You may find yourself that you need one. You may find yourself on a jury, actually, and um, having to evaluate one expert witness against the other. There's this saying, you know, it's the battle of the experts. That's often what cases come down to um, in terms of helping the jury to decide what what the truth is. Um, my guest is Dr. Stephen Grifka. He's the president of a medical expert network, and he's also a well-respected expert witness himself. Um, so why don't we talk about some of the cases in the news? Well, there's one case that hasn't gone to trial yet, but it's certainly a case that uses your expertise. Um, are you... You have to uh, position yourself. To the, I, the last I heard, there are four thousand people suing the NFL. So, uh, tell us about that. Well, those four thousand people—I'm uh, not sure the exact number anymore—but those are former players. Um, they're they're individuals who have experienced a lot of head trauma, and that's what this is all about. And and they're saying that they should have either been warned more about the constant and recurrent head trauma, uh, better padding or better helmets or better rules should have been used. Uh, If they had a head trauma, they should have been taken out of a game. So those are all the allegations being made because it's becoming more and more clear. All of the medical evidence is, is proving that repeated head trauma is devastating to not only our lifespan, but our quality of life. We suffer a lot of neurological problems from repeated concussions, and there are tons of concussions occurring in sports. The NFL uh, lawsuit is is proof of that. Um, so that is big time in the news, and is only going to be becoming more and more uh, popular in terms of how much we're hearing about it. Yeah, um, you know they're saying that uh, the plaintiffs, the the um, football players, are saying that the NFL purposely concealed from them just how dangerous repeated head traumas can be. Yes. Um, and in fact, there's, I mean, there are things we call CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, fancy words for meaning when you keep getting your head bonked and your brain's shaking around, we get damage to the brain. Um, what happens is that it doesn't only take hitting your head to have a concussion or to have what we call a mild traumatic brain injury, TBI. What happens is that if I'm a, uh, a receiver and I am running, I've caught a pass and I'm running downfield as fast as I can and all of a sudden one of the defenders comes and hits me from a different direction or from straight on, what happens is my body stops and my head stops, but inside of my head, there's my brain, and it's just floating in, a, in kind of these juices and jello kind of uh, 
stuff inside our head. And the brain floating that way doesn't stop. So while our hard heads, the skull, is stopped, the brain keeps moving forward and it smashes against our own skull. So we get these shearing effects from the turning of the brain and from the hitting of the brain inside of our own head. And it causes small injuries to the blood vessels up in the, up in the brain, which thereby injures all our nerves that, that the brain is essentially composed of. And so when we don't have proper blood supply, those nerves have problems and they are injured and some of them may die. And that's the, that's the concussion. That's the mild traumatic brain injury that's oftentimes missed. And that's what this, uh, that's a lot of what the lawsuit is about. They're saying that as players, they get injuries frequently like that. They're unrecognized, undiagnosed. They may come off the field and go, oh, I, I failed dazed. Or, uh, my bell got rung. And then, you know, a few plays later, they're back in the game. It's too soon. Their brains haven't recovered. The full, the full damage hasn't even occurred yet. But if they go and take another hit, they get even more damage. And there are many um, players now that have unfortunately perished, and they're finding these changes in their brain from these repeated injuries. Some of those who have perished, they think, may have had vast psychological um, and psychiatric problems because of the injuries, which brings your specialty, Dr. Carroll, right into the fray. Um, there's rumors that perhaps Junior Seau, the famous uh, player from the San Diego Chargers who just recently committed suicide, that perhaps what happened to him was a result of these repeated traumatic uh, brain injuries. So there's a lot of stuff going on with this. Um, and the question is how much of it was recognized earlier versus how much is just now being uh, brought to the fray. Uh-huh. And I was reading something about how there's going to be a similar class action suit against the uh, NCAA, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, and some, of, some reporters are saying that that's going to make... Uh, the NFL suit seem, you know, it's going to be much smaller by comparison because there are so many more college athletes, not just in football, but in hockey and all kinds of sports where you can get hit in the head, um, that that are going to be suing the NCAA. That that may come come to pass. Um, I I don't know when or where they might start this lawsuit. Um, the question is how much did the NCAA know at the time or other college sports. I'll tell you, the, some of the injuries that you would expect and some of the sports that you would expect to have these injuries are quite surprising. For example, everybody thinks immediately football because these guys are big and they're hitting each other all the time. But something that ranks exceptionally high in traumatic brain injury concussions is girls, high school, soccer. That's very, very high in uh, traumatic brain injury, and so because the they're is, getting, they're hitting each other with a soccer ball. Well, I mean, the we don't know if it's bounce on their heads. Right. They, well, that is actually part of it. They're doing headers, which means that suddenly you're moving in one direction and you hit something moving in the opposite direction. That whole thing going on with your brain hitting your mm -hmm. own skull. 
hmm. is occurring. Also, you get a quick whack in the head from the ball. So you're getting, again, these shearing motions within inside of your head, causing the little blood vessels to break and the nerves to get hurt. So it's a, a constant thing. Also, if they happen to be running one direction and they run into each other and trip and fall, you know, falls also can be a cause of this. Um, so it, it's very, very common in girls' high school soccer. Hmm. It's very common in many of the sports. Um, and before now, people weren't all that aware of it. Uh, the, way, the reason it might be bigger in college than in the pros is that our brains are still relatively young in college, and there may be a little bit more um, ability to get injured if we don't take care of it. We may heal faster if we do take care of it immediately, um, but quick diagnosis and forms of treatment are really necessary. That's one of the things that's um, very important and should be done as quickly as possible. Like what? Well, one of the things that we've relied on in the past is um, there are some questionnaires you can take um, to see if from that are neuropsychiatric level if people have changed, if their mentation has changed from before a concussion till after a concussion. We've tried doing MRIs, but an MRI, when we do that type of radiologic scan, it only picks up major damage. So what we've been looking for is ways to detect this damage earlier. And I have to tell you, it's exciting for me, um, along with uh, Dr. Randolph McKenzie, uh, an esteemed uh, neuroscientist and physician um, in Tennessee, uh, we've collaborated to write a paper about ways to diagnose this earlier. We actually wrote about the Iraq and the Afghanistan war veterans because one of the most common injuries, or actually the most common injury, is traumatic brain injury coming out of, that, of those two wars. And he and I um, are convinced, and so are many others now, that there is an easy physiologic way of testing for brain injury. Um, it requires goggles and infrared camera, cameras and computers, um, but that testing is an objective way. People cannot fake it um, to determine if there have been changes that have gone on in the brain and, and its balance system. Because one of the things that's affected earliest in a traumatic brain injury is balance earliest and most consistently, is a person's balance. Um, and so with this test, which can be done quickly and easily, we can actually come out with this report. Now, the report is a bunch of little squiggly lines, and that's where people like Dr. McKenzie come into play. Um, we need experts who can determine and interpret what these lines mean. And having tested thousands and thousands and thousands of normal people, we know what's normal. So when someone of a like age and size has squiggles that are not normal, with all this practice, we're able to tell what area of the brain may be hurt. And that gives us the ability to specify what we can do to perhaps well, help them get better. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So what, once you find out that, yes, they have, they have this, uh, then what? Well, depending upon the area of brain, there are different things we can do. For example... If it's, if it's nice and simple and they've just um, had something that has caused damage to some of the balance systems within the ears, um, 
there are ways of repositioning the head with quick motions to make the balance systems in the ears recover. And that can be done very quickly. Sometimes we have to repeat it a couple of weeks apart, but we can do that quickly. And if a person gets that feeling of stability, they start to feel much better. People who are off balance, it's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've felt nauseous before, <laughs> and it's a terrible feeling to have. So you can imagine what it's like for people who are off balance every time they turn their head or bend over or, or do that, how bad it is for them on a daily basis. That's a very, very simple thing. But there are other areas within the brain, and when they get damaged, like any other muscle, so to speak, we have to practice it. We have to train it. So if we find that a certain area of the brain is weak now, there are exercises that can be done. It's called vestibular rehab therapy, VRT. There are certain exercises that we can advise for each particular individual that will help them retrain their brain so their brain gets stronger. And even if that area is so badly damaged it will never recover, we're able to perhaps retrain a a corollary area that will help us cover for that deficiency. Mm. So in that way, we can retrain our brain like any other muscle to get stronger and function well again and not have to worry about the fallout of just letting it be. If we leave it alone, it actually gets worse. And from the time of a concussion occurring, the injury may actually continue to get worse with a a large amount of time. Perhaps at first we just thought it would get worse over the first couple of weeks, but it actually may be getting worse over the first year or two. So the earlier we catch this, the better. That's interesting because I think... I mean, you don't hear a lot of people actually getting treatment for this. Um, you know, yes, it's been more in the news about um, how this is a real problem that's been overlooked, but then I, you don't really hear about people doing anything about it. I mean, maybe doing things like taking um, taking uh, vitamins or, I guess, B-complex. Or I mean, do you recommend things like that? Um, I have not been overly impressed yet with, our ability to handle it nutritionally. Mm. I think that it's very important to get our full complement of of vitamins and eat well. That certainly helps in the recovering from from a trauma. Um, But I don't know if there's anything yet that has been proven um, to work from the uh, nutraceutical uh, line yet. I certainly don't know of any harm coming from most of the things that are tried, so I, I'm not against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to see you know, a long study proving that it is helpful. Mm-hmm. We do have studies that prove that, um, for example, the vestibular rehabilitation therapy, we do have studies proving that that has been helpful. And so we're excited about that. And, and the fact that we think we can now specify the areas of the brain um, that are injured so that we can have very individual treatment for everybody, that's exciting too. Yes, because, I mean, just to mention, and you can uh, add to this, but, you know, I mean, these uh, chronic traumatic brain injuries can progress to things like Parkinson's, to um, dementia. I mean, you know, it's it's not just a headache or it's not just... Um, the period right after, but as the person gets older, right, it can progress to all of these more serious problems. 
Absolutely. Um, there is a progression, and well, there's a natural progression. If nothing happened to us, we naturally start to get a little bit weaker. They say we're losing, uh, I think, 100,000 uh, nerve cells every day in our brains after a certain age. But if we've already traumatized certain areas, and then on top of that, the normal aging process is going on, we are much more prone to falls, to injuries. In fact, it's, it's become almost an epidemic in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, fall injuries... Mm-hmm. Um, Let me stop you there because sure. um, because we do need to take another break. My guest sure. is Dr. Stephen Grifka. Um, this is all such this is all things that he does. By the way, not only is he an, an expert witness and the president of America of a medical expert network, but um, he also has um, he's the chairman of the Center for Fall Prevention and um, and also of course treats all of these brain injuries as he's been talking about. So he's a real doctor, not just an expert witness. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about why do we need expert witnesses anyway with my guest, Dr. Stephen Grifka. We've been talking about uh, what makes an expert witness and, um, you know, and we should actually add to that, you know, it's, well, you mentioned, of course, uh, getting the training, but, you know, we should perhaps get into that a little bit like, um, well, there are all different kinds of expert witnesses. It's not, not just doctors, but whatever, whatever um, kind of expert witness the person is, um, the, more, the more credentials, the more 
uh, letters you have after your name, the more studies that you've done, the more certificates, the more, you know, as a doctor, for example, being board certified in your specialty. Um, you need to be, the judges have the power to um, qualify you or not. And a lot of times the opposing attorneys, especially if they're worried about you, you know, if they know, if they've heard your reputation, that you're really good, they try to disqualify you. They try to find things to to disqualify you. I mean, I was talking earlier at the beginning of the show about uh, one of my first high-profile trials, the Jenny Jones murder trial, and um, I, most of the morning was spent with the other side, the prosecutors, trying to disqualify me, which, of course, didn't happen because I do have all kinds of credentials and board certification and all of that, and I wound up being certified not only as a psychiatrist but also in media because that was part of what I was doing, analyzing the impact of being on this Jenny Jones show on Jonathan Schmidt. So, um, but, but, you know, that, so your, your credentials, your training, your experience, it's also how many years you've been practicing in whatever it is that you've been doing. Um, all of these things are up for grabs, you know, by the other side if they want really hard to get rid of you as an expert, if they, you know, if they're concerned about you winning. <laughs> um, so, so you really have to, get all of that, you have to do all of that before, you can't just decide one day I'm going to be an expert, Um, you have to have the qualifications to show that, and of course, the more experience that you get doing all these cases, the more things, um, the more savvy you get in how uh, courtrooms operate, and, and just the whole process, because that's a lot of it too. I mean, um, Steve, you know, I'm sure when you first started being an expert, you know, there's a lot of things to learn about just the mechanics and logistics of the courtroom, Um, what all these different terms mean, um, what, you know, what you can and can't talk about, um, all these, you know, a whole new vocabulary, actually. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, when you think about being on the stand, one of the things I found to be most surprising was when I was asked a question um, about a matter in, in which I had a pretty fair amount of knowledge, if it's a yes or no question, you're just supposed to say yes uh-huh. or no. Mm-hmm. You're actually not supposed to go on and explain unless you're asked to explain. So those normal human instincts of just speaking out loud and saying, oh, yes, and here's the reason why, well, you don't get to give that reason why unless you are specifically asked for it. Um, and if you start, oftentimes an attorney who, who is on the opposing side who doesn't want to hear that information will cut you off and, and have that stricken from the record. So um, it is very interesting. The, the rules are quite different in a courtroom. The judge is a uh, king or queen of that courtroom. And, uh, and as a physician, it's very different because we're used to running our offices. We, we're the king or queen of our offices. And uh, when we see people, we get to tell them whatever we'd like to tell them and inform them as much as we want. Um, but when we get to that courtroom, it's a different ball game. Right, which is why a lot of times, especially doctors, have really hard times being expert witnesses because um, because of the uh, the controversial or the what should I say? Because they're not their word is just not taken as God. They're asked to explain things or they're asked or they're, they're, um, they're questioned. They're not, you know, the other side, of, co- of course, doesn't want to just believe what they have to say because it's usually not helpful to their side. Um, 
So, you know, instead there being uh, all these, well, that's part of, part of the game where the opposing attorney tries to destroy the credibility of, uh, of the expert, of the other, the opposing expert. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a lot of doctors aren't used to that, sitting in front of a, of a courtroom with lots of people and having um, an attorney bring up things to purposely try to destroy your credibility. And the more you show that it gets to you, um, the more that doesn't go over very well with the jury. I mean, that's a whole other thing that we haven't talked about. What, what kinds of things do juries like um, from experts and what don't they like? Well, what they like from an expert is someone who remains calm because they will see the attorneys going after the expert. I had one case where um, I, the, the subject matter wasn't even very important, but all of a sudden the attorney on the opposing side, he was holding this very large file, and I made a statement, and he turned around suddenly and he whacked this file right on the desk in front of me. And he said, are you sure, doctor? And it was a very violent move on his part, and it made a lot of noise. And i got to admit, it surprised the heck out of me. I sat up straight in my chair all of a sudden. Um, and they, the game is to try and upset you. I mean, I just responded by calmly saying, yes, I'm sure. And But I'm sure he wanted to see a response from me, a reaction from me that would discredit me in the eyes of the jury because the jury wants the expert to be knowledgeable and not to be highly emotional. Um, on the other side, you can't be a cold fish because we're all human beings and you have to be able to emote, to give the feeling that you care. And, we, and good physicians do care. And so we should be the human beings that we are we can show emotion, but we also need to show that we are really just dealing with the facts and we're not letting our emotions take us in directions that, that they shouldn't. Good attorneys will try and discredit the opposing expert um, anywhere from saying, how much are you getting paid to be here, doctor? Aren't you just being paid for your opinion? Um, those are common methods used to try and degrade an expert. Um, to more subtle things where they will repeat questions in different ways and then try and just say that you answered it differently because you used different words uh, semantically. So there are games that are played that, that it yes, doesn't seem Yes, yes, like that's a whole big one, too, where uh, the opposing attorneys try to twist your words around. They say something slight, you know, similar to what you said, but with one important or two important uh, differences so that they can twist it so that it's more favorable to them. And you have to sort of be paying attention, not sort of, you have to be paying attention at every single moment because if, like, for example, if they say, well, didn't you just say, doctor, such and such and such and such, and that wasn't exactly what you said, and instead that helps them, then, um, uh, you know, you have to catch it. Because otherwise, down the line or in their closing argument, they're going to say, and Dr. So-and-so said such-and-such, which isn't what you said at all. And you are demonstrating why you are a good expert, because that is a common occurrence. You may say, I walked from line A to B, um, and it was straight and narrow. And then they'll come back later on and they'll say, so didn't you say that you meandered from A to B? And they change it slightly so that in their clothes or later on, they can try and make you sound like you're not telling the truth mm -hmm. um, or, or put it in words that are more uh, 
that are more advantageous to their side. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about another um, case in the news, the uh, Michael Jackson case going on right now, and it's... it's Never ending, and it's really kind of annoying me. And of course, there have been experts. Um, the ex- the expert with Conrad Murray and all that. Oh my God, time is going just way too quickly. I can't believe it's time for another break. How is that possible? <laughs> all right, we'll take it quickly, but then uh, come back, and we have we'll talk about the Michael Jackson case and some of the other cases in the news. My guest is Dr. Stephen Griska. and you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I don't want to miss, a, miss another minute. I want more time with Dr. Stephen Griska, who is the president of a medical expert network. He's also a well-respected expert witness himself. Um, and we were talking about the role of expert witnesses in cases, and we, we, let's talk about the Michael Jackson trial. We started, I mentioned that before we broke. Um, this trial is really annoying me, no end, because first of all, it's going on forever. And second of all, um, what's, what's so annoying is that Catherine Jackson, Michael Jackson's mother, has brought this case, um, on behalf of herself and his children. And it is just pure greed. I mean, not to say that AEG um, is blameless in all of that. I mean, I think that it's, they colluded. Um, Michael Jackson wanted to do this tour because he wanted to be, you know, back on top again, and he wanted to make money since he was, like, millions of dollars in debt. Um, but, but, you know, what this has caused, I mean, it caused Paris Jackson to make a suicide attempt it caused um, Prince to go on the stand. Fortunately, Blanket got a doctor to give him a note that said that he would be it would be detrimental for him to to testify on the stand. So he got spared. But uh, and it was interesting to to hear um, you know Michael's brother uh, testify honestly that indeed he was addicted to various drugs, uh, mainly painkillers, but all kinds of drugs, and that they did interventions and so on and. Um, um, 
And it just, I mean, it's, the pain that this is causing, I, 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 the way it's been going so far, I can't really see how uh, AEG is going to, how they're going to win anything, how AEG is going to lose, because I don't really think that they've proven that um, that Michael didn't have a long-standing drug problem. I mean, it was a collusion. They shouldn't have had him uh, sign up to do this tour. This was totally, you know, it's so ironically called this is it tour. It certainly was it, and everyone should have known that it was going to be it, that he was not up to it in the first place. And the pain and suffering that Catherine has caused his children is just uh, unconscionable. I think what do you that... Think? Well, I think that this is just a demonstration of unintended consequences of actions we take. I mean, we think that we're making good move. I'm sure that Michael Jackson thought he was making a good financial move when he signed up for this. AEG thought they were making a good financial move when they decided to, to do it. And unfortunately, uh, due to circumstances that were certainly unforeseen, um, events have led us down this path where it's one tragedy after another. If it's not the tragedy of a loss of life, where it was for Michael Jackson, um, it has been for his children, his relatives, even his fans who are taking this you know, hard. Well, I don't um, know that it was unforeseen. I mean, I don't. I, certainly, his relatives should have known that this was a fantasy. That there was no way he'd be able to do a tour of fifty concerts in his state of health before Conrad Murray even got into the picture. I mean, obviously, Conrad Murray was incredibly, I mean, that was <laughs> grievous malpractice. But, um, but even before that, I mean, he was, he's been on the path of, of being an addict um, and having an increasing problem with drugs for years. So how could that, they have thought that he would be able to do a tour like this? How could anyone have thought that AEG either? You know, it's greed that caused people to to um, have poor judgment. Well, this would not be the first time that greed has caused <laughs> poor judgment. Uh, True, but it certainly is an example. There's no doubt about it. Um, and there's just a very large amount of money involved, and it does make people behave in ways that they shouldn't. Um, Psychiatrically speaking, uh, this is definitely up your field more than mine, but uh, it, it greed does cause people to do things that they would not otherwise seek to do. And then um, this week, Debbie Rowe was supposed to testify. And, um, you know, just when she was beginning to form a bond um, with Paris, now she's going to be testifying. And undoubtedly, because she did witness his drug taking when she was uh, more when she was more closely when she was married to him and more closely involved with him but you know that's what that's what they're going to want her to talk about um AEG will and so so in a sense they're making her or this trial is making her go up against Paris who is one of the plaintiffs um and you know what's that going to do for the relationship yeah i would imagine that it's certainly not going to be helpful um, you really don't want to be saying contradictory things or things that are not helpful to ones that you love. I mean, that certainly has to be um, a very distressing uh, activity to be involved in or in circumstance to find yourself in. And did you have any particular opinions in regard to any of the experts, either in the current trial or in the um, Conrad Murray trial? Well, 
Um, yes, there were. I had a lot of opinions as it went on. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that something important is that they have to be able to transmit information to those who are listening. And a lot of the information is very, very complex. And listening to some of the the experts in the Michael Jackson trial, when Conrad Murray was on trial, um, I thought that some of those experts were actually quite good. And there were a couple that I did not think were good, and it certainly, very certainly seemed that they were, um, shall we say, stretching that that line that I said, it's our job to tell the truth. It, it certainly seemed that some were trying to push things in a certain direction because they were on they were representing a certain side. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't like that. I mean, I, wherever the chips fall, they should fall. That's my feeling. Um, if you've been, uh, I'm sure this has been your circumstance too, but I've been hired by uh, a side, the defense or the plaintiff, and they, they clearly tell you what they would like to hear. <laughs> and my constant refrain is the, <laughs> the devil's in the details. I'll, I'll tell you what I think after I've read everything and after I've mm-hmm. reviewed it. And I've come back and I've said, look, I would clearly like to be the expert on the other side. You have <laughs> a lousy case here. This is not good. You should settle or you should give up or, you know, whatever you are thinking about doing. But I can't be an expert in this uh-huh. case and you're not going to get anything from me that you would like. Uh-huh. So... Um, either you don't want me to come up there on the sand or just settle with the other people and, and uh, get it over with because you're wrong. <laughs> um, and, uh, and to attorneys a benefit, most attorneys do take that advice well. Not all, <laughs> but most do, um, and they, they actually follow it. Sometimes they'll want a second opinion. They'll ask for you know, someone else to take a look at it. But if they get a, the same view, um, most guys will step out because attorneys don't want to spend their time and resources on a losing case. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's not helpful for them either. So, um, you know, I think experts are very helpful pre-trial, uh, pre-settlement, uh, not only in court. Yes, yes. Being able to give something. I think, I think we both have the advantage of having testified on both uh, sides um, yeah. plaintiff and defense, and so you're able to, what I often do is say, if I were on the other side, what I would see as the, as the holes in your case are this, this, and this. Oh, my. <laughs> and the holes in this show, we ha- it's, it's over already. Oh, well, <laughs> Dr. Grifka, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, my guest is Dr. Stephen Grifka. His company is called A Medical Expert Network, and he is also, as you could hear, a well-respected expert witness himself. So you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.